Hey everybody, I'm Andy Weinberg and welcome to episode 14 of the David Wasikinen in the Pocket Podcast here on wildfireradio.com and phillyrockradio.com. And speaking of the word radio, we are lucky to be joined today by one of the most dynamic voices and personalities to ever grace the airwaves here in Philadelphia and other places. You knew her in the 80s as Ask Anita, yep. and we've got plenty to ask Anita today. <laughs> Please welcome, from David's hometown of Levittown, Pennsylvania. God bless Levittown. Anita Gevinson. How and, crazy is that, David? And it, and, and it needs it, too. <laughs> I never knew that we were... Uh, you guys are yeah, neighbors, I never knew that we came... I was in North Park. Right. And then oh, uh, I, Twin I, Oaks. Uh, see, I thought it was Rose, Red Rose Gate. No, 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 no. It was uh, it was North Park on Nasturtium Lane. Yeah. And I was the only six-year-old... That could spell nasturtium, N-A-S-T-U-R-T-I-U-M. And then we moved, uh, my father got a better job and we moved to Twin Oaks. Oh my God. Yeah, that was a, that was a big step yes, up. Yes, it was you know? a big step. Uh, the Billy Goodman, my good friend, and the Goodman I, brothers, Billy would say, Dave, we would never cross Newportville Road. Because when he came over to my neck of the woods, you got the shit beat out of here. I don't know if that was true, but it was a little bit rough. It got tough. I yeah. wasn't allowed to go certain places. Yeah. But I, yeah, I've known Billy as long as, probably longer than I've known you. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. I didn't know Billy till I met Billy at a marathon at, uh, at, at Bishop Conwell School. <laughs> and I went to one of his marathons. And oddly enough, that same night I met Billy, I met John Kuzma. Because Billy played there with, with Randy Pond. All the cool cats that I wanted to be, he was playing there. And I remember I met Billy and John and all that. And I, I didn't know about your Levittown connection until much later and i didn't know about yours yeah. well you guys crazy. you guys went to different high schools and she was, went to the she, she went, went to the uppity school right yes, was at well, <laughs> dave was at wilson i yes. went to pensbury until junior ah. high because i lived in ah. north park no i didn't okay. know that and either. then when we moved i had to switch to nishamany uh. and the funny thing is everybody thought it was a step up yeah but i was a good kid until yeah. i went to Nishamani. You met Dave Summers and people Well, like I that. bought a leather jacket. I hung out at Two Guys. Steerins. Yeah. Well, oh, I, my I, God. I, I know. I worked at Shocked when I read that. I think it's a Harley Davidson place yeah. now, right? I, uh, off yeah. of Route 1? Exactly. Yeah. You can get a Harley there, but I remember back in the day, we used to pull in there, and I remember my dad walking in to get a burger or something. We were young, but it was always like, oh, man, be careful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you had to choose. You had to go in the front with the stoners, or in the back uh, with, with, what do we call them, foam heads, sudsers, <laughs> the, the beer people. Yeah. And you had to decide. So which you. one were you? I started you out with the, the beer, but I did walk the line. I started yeah. out with the beer, but then I went to the stoners yeah. and have never looked back. I love that part of, in your book because uh, it was really much, for me, a part of my whole, you know, I, I you know, fortunately, unfortunately, I had a drug past and I remember it kind of started all then and uh, we were, Andy and I were just talking about it when it came in about like, you know, there are a lot of people, there are people that knew that I had a habit, but, you know, getting out of the luckiest man in the world, but right, and it wasn't Levittown's fault, but I hung around with dudes that thought it was a normal thing to stick a needle in your arm. It was a uh, crazy know, time. Yeah, uh, and it, it, we were experimenting. Yeah. And how you know? So yeah. how was that going to go? But yeah. some of us didn't make it. Yeah. However, I don't think for the rest of us that we should be anything but proud that we did. Oh, absolutely. And I don't think we should whitewash it or yeah. soft sell it. Yeah. Uh, those times will never, for better or worse, come yeah. around again. Yeah. But they need to be remembered and celebrated. Yeah. And it was some of the best crazy. Yeah. I feel bad for people that never did those drugs. And yeah. I feel bad for people that never saw those concerts yeah. when you were required to yeah. rush the stage <laughs> and you shared anything that anybody yeah. passed to you. The days of LSD. 
Wow, yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I couldn't do acid because yeah. I, w- I was on my own trip yeah. from just, you know, I never, I, I, love yeah, your I story, could not man. do acid. Uh, I tried uh, to eat psilocybin mushrooms when I lived in Mexico. I read that, right. yep. And I could so I you said that literally you couldn't handle the shit. That I they, couldn't swallow the shit. Right. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, you know, it's funny. And not that, you know, or it's making Levittown sound like it's the drug place of the world. But uh, unfortunately, again, unfortunately, fortunately, when I grew up experimenting, I did. I share this on this thing. I I did LSD and I was a gymnast, right? So I was I was in a, um, against Pensbury and I'm doing acid. I'm tripping and I did a free X thing and I'm on my hands. And I remember walking back and the, the Mr. Lewis, he was the manager of the team. He looked at me and goes, "What the fuck was that?" It was the first time I heard a teacher say, "Fuck, what was that?" Apparently, I stared on my hands for like about a minute, staring at. The, Things going to circle, that's but the, enough of that. That's the greatest sports. <laughs> said Doc Ellis pitched a no hitter on Ellis. Right, yeah. right. So things are possible. I mean, playing, you know. I mean, it was okay. Well, but anyway, I, enough I, of the drugs. Anyway, and, anyway, oh, yeah, let's get to Dave, uh, yeah, Anita. Dave, ask Anita. Right. Okay. Well, Dave mentions the book, and yes. Anita wrote an incredible book. It's yeah. called uh, "You Turn Me On." I'm a radio, my wild rock Loved and roll, it. wild rock and roll life, and Anita's very open about her wild rock and roll life and that includes yeah. obviously stints on MMR and YSP in the 80s and we'll get into her radio background and and some of the stories you've led. First of all, Anita, why, what led you to write the book? Um, well, two things. Uh, I moved around a lot and uh, my mother, God bless her, uh, saved everything, uh, every newspaper article, she taped every show and she would put them in boxes but I wasn't interested in moving these boxes to my next location, so she kept them and uh, moved them around from, you know, yeah. apartment to apartment, state to state, city to city, whatever. So I, I, I kind of knew it was all there, uh, but I didn't realize. Even in Mexico, I remember you went back together. That's yes, really good of you yes, that you went and got that absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. So yeah. uh, all the letters that I had sent from Mexico, she saved everything. So... Uh, I had to like emotionally open these boxes. Like it was so tough to I open bet. these boxes, but I did. And I started pulling this stuff out <sighs> and I was like, oh my God, this is a book. I have a book right here. Even yeah. if I don't write one word, you put, God bless Scott Wiener, long before. Uh, <laughs> He's the, a photographer, by the way. Right. And, Scott. And I don't ever remember saying to Scott, how about you just show up and I'll pretend you're not there. But that's what we did. And mm. he was always there and I forgot about it. And he took, he has, he, he captured moments that I probably wouldn't have really believed happened if I hadn't been able to see the photographs. Wow. So I had all those photographs, all those uh, newspaper articles, all the old trivia. And it brought you back. And then, um, Warren Zevon's ex-wife wrote a book. Okay. Ah, right. And I was so furious about the way I was portrayed in the book uh, that I had to. I don't blame set you. Set the record set, straight. Yes, yes. There's always two sides to a story, and when you get the one that like is this Crystal the one? That, the, yes, I wrote yes, that, and I yes. remember she uh, wrote a book. Somebody actually posted on Facebook said, "Yeah, uh, wrote a book, and it wasn't very flattering." Which I'm going like, "Shit, I guess that that's just a uh, well, not even close." I mean, but it's okay, terrible. just I mean, so she she writes a book that's supposed to be uh, a book that he asked her to write. Right. Anybody that knows him finds that hard to believe, but fine, okay. He was mm. a dying man. Who knows what he said? Uh, but she decided she was going to write this book, but I don't believe she actually told people like Bruce Springsteen and Jackson Brown. 
what type of a book it was going to be. I think she only reached out and asked them for anecdotes. Okay. So they didn't really possibly understand that they were contributing to a book where she was really getting her revenge, you know, Hell Hath No Fury. She was the woman scorned, and she was going to set the record straight about every terrible thing that he ever did to her or anybody else. And what was so humiliating for me and made me so furious was that she reached out to every woman and there were many Aye. in Warren's life yeah. and allowed them to rewrite or write uh, their version of what yeah. it was like to be with Warren uh, with uh, a flattering photo. Yeah. And she published every story. And she never came to me. And I know her. We spent wow. time together. Yeah, I know yeah, her. in the book. Yes, I know her well. Yeah. And she never came to me and in, never used my name. Mm. She refers to me in this 300, 400-page book only as the DJ it's from Philly. Philly. Right, right, right. Yeah, so somebody terrible. reviewed the book and yeah. said, why isn't Crystal Zevon acknowledging... Uh, and of all these women in Warren's life, you obviously played a pretty, pretty yeah. major part. I mean, you were... Yeah, yeah I mean... Yeah, I... I you for inter- a time. Yeah. Right. I mean, this I, was mean, his- I, I, mean, I know he was the love of my life. I'm not saying I was the only love, his only love, but mm. I mean, it was real. It happened. I mean, it went for on many for years. many, many years. Yeah. You introduced me to him. I, I, I don't know if you remember this, but I think at the Chestnut Cabaret, and I was telling Andy this, that um, you brought me backstage and he said, I love that song, Glove from the Stone. And I remember that and I'm thinking... And I thought, wow. And I mentioned it to Eric, and Eric goes, I don't even know what that song's about. And I goes, but Warren does. <laughs> I, well, I don't know if you amazing. remember this, but uh, you guys had booked studio time. I, 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 I was telling Andy, I said, you know, it's, it's a shame that it never happened. It's I look such back a shame because, that it never happened. Uh, Absolutely. It, it, when I hear, like, say, I get it now, because he loved Blood from a Stone, and I listened to his records. I said, man, that would have been fun to work with However, him. He, he's a genius. I think what would have happened is, it would uh, same thing that happened when he worked with R.E.M., yeah. I think you would have ended up uh, Recording songs <laughs> like uh, you know the songs on uh, the Who Do uh, Oh Oh right Who, who do, do You Love Right and Right He would sing um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ico Yeah You know he was trying to teach REM what Ico was right and right, all, right. And it, they were like what you know yeah. but that's what that's what he wanted but actually now you think about it Blood from a Stone would have been a great song for yes. Warren to cover yeah. but that yeah. that has yeah right. has we all we uh, you know look he was such a um, I guess I don't I hate to use the word torture, but he was a writer, songwriter in the in the, the you think about William Barrows and writers right. like that. I right. Mean, I, I think uh Warren had that in his head, like that kind of mindset, you know. Uh, well it's he quite was comical ridiculous. to think about yeah. how you could be a total uh neurotic hypochondriac yeah. and yet be right about everything right. that you fear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and then you know, I found interesting in your book where you talked about that when he got reviewed and a guy called him Pudgy. And and I like and he always struck me as somebody that doesn't give a shit, but right. he really did give a shit. Well, there you know, was right? that. Yes, he did. But he also uh, would use as anybody who's an an addict or alcoholic knows. Yeah. You're looking for things to set you off so you yeah. can have an excuse. Go get loaded. To, yes. Yeah. yeah. So even when he moved to yeah. Philadelphia, yeah. which I was so shocked yeah. about. Yeah, I didn't know he was here that, that long. Yeah, he when yeah. he told me he wanted to move here wow. and move in with me. Uh, as flattered as I was, I I actually thought it would have just been nice to have been asked right. you know <laughs> you just moved in but I, yeah he's Warren Zevon I just really didn't think that it was a good idea you know yeah. to live with him and um, when he proposed to me I couldn't understand why a man like him would mm. want to get married again yeah you know why I never wanted to get married to yeah. anybody yeah. but if it, anybody I would have married him just because yeah. he seemed to so he was a strange combination of somebody with very um, 
he never he never used bad language. Wow. Uh, he was a complete romantic and yeah. a gentleman. Mm. Uh, parents loved him. Wow. Uh, he was very. Oh, my parents thought he was just the most respectful person that they ever met. And yet, yeah, they liked him. The other, oh, they loved him. And mm. then the other, it was harder for me to tell them yeah. that we had broken up than right. it was for me to tell him. Well, I know? remember in the book you said uh, you didn't want him. <sighs> Asked your parents. Well, I and, begged I, him not. not I to begged him not to ask yeah. to tell my parents yeah, that yeah, we right. were going to get married. Did you have a sense like it's not going to work out? I not you only know. had a sense it wasn't going to work out, but uh, as as I reveal in my book, my parents had been through the worst thing that parents uh, could go through. I couldn't right, imagine. Okay. Your sister. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, my sister died of a drug overdose. Yeah. Uh, Adele. When, yes, when she was yeah. twenty one years mm. old, and I was twenty three. And the irony of it is, is that uh, everybody worried about us because we traveled as young girls. What a life you had oh in my gosh. Las Vegas was oh fascinating. Oh my gosh, well, she and I together in Las yeah. Vegas, those, those were the only three months that we actually got to hang out. And uh, it was- It looked 19, like fun, though. It was amazing fun. Yeah. A bit illegal, but some of the stuff you were doing- A bit but... illegal, but only if you get caught doing <laughs> yeah. it. Otherwise- Well, it's, it's still illegal. It's still but... illegal, but you don't get busted for it. But it was 1974, so if you've ever seen the movie Casino, yeah. that's what it was like. Yeah. And the yeah. mob still... I loved Vegas back then. Oh, <laughs> yes. It, it actually, yeah. it worked on a level yeah. that it's never worked uh, before or since. Yeah. So I was in Mexico being a hippie chick. You know, uh, I don't remember... Which don't is remember. a remarkable thing, the way you were living your life then. Reading yes. that was fascinating. Yes. That you were pretty, you know, a very... I don't know if you realize how brave you were. The moves, the things you did, but it was just a natural thing for you, It was you, my right? natural course yeah. to take a journey. And uh, yes, I went there with a boyfriend. Yeah. But... Uh, his breaking up with me and me finding myself alone in Mexico was the greatest gift pretty much anybody yeah. could have given me. So yeah. he gave me Mexico. Then the next guy that I met and lived with, he gave me that sense of just being like an unabashed, just uh, somebody that, that, well, you know, Thinks they can fit in anywhere, yeah. you know. So, so yeah. you're 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 like a dilettante, but yeah. you're proud of it. Right. And uh, you I know, love the changing in the bathroom into your sundress. Right. So by the time I got to that Las was Vegas, awesome. um, yeah. I had already been had with this down. guy, and he taught me in Acapulco yeah. how to walk through those hotel lobbies yeah. and act like you belong there. Exactly. So I just applied those skills wow. to uh, living in Las Vegas, wow. and before you know it, you know, my sister and I are chip hustling right. for rent, <laughs> and we're you know we're doing yeah. everything. Yeah. But having sex with strangers. Wow. But, you know, we're Jewish girls. Yeah. You couldn't even pay us to have Well, sex. I like there's a the whole Catholic <laughs> uniform thing that I loved in the book. Um, I did, right, I wanted to be Catholic. I'm not going to give yes. it away when you were going for, I guess it's communion. Yes, and yes. Then, and then you I looked a, up and said, I'm a Jew. No, well, I said, I, no, actually <laughs> what happened was, is um, I, I was, you know, you always want to be, uh, in your other, in your friend's family. You never, right. you, you know, you'll go to their house and clean their room and eat with their parents, but you don't do it at your own house. Right. So there was this large, blonde, Kennedy-esque Catholic family that lived at the end of the street, and yeah. I wanted to be part of that family so badly. <laughs> so they had so many kids, they didn't even realize it. On one <laughs> right. Sunday in particular. Right. My dad worked at the mill. <laughs> yes, I'm in the car, and we're on our way to church. Uh. And I figured we'll sit in church, and I'll learn a little something. <laughs> and uh, I figure, okay, it's time to leave. And I see they're headed toward what I call the stage. And um, 
we're, we're making our way to the stage and all of a sudden they're on their knees. So I'm on my knees. Right. And then I notice that they're sticking out their tongue and the priest is coming down the line and I'm thinking, oh my God, I don't know if this is okay. Yeah. So I stuck my tongue out and as he got near me, I went, on Zeus. <laughs> and he said, what? And I said, on Zeus. And he just dropped the thing on, oh, on my tongue. Man, gave you a little and I thought, yeah. if lightning doesn't strike me, yeah. I guess it's okay. So, yeah. yeah. That was the... Uh, the early stages of taking risks. Yeah, well, I have to say, I was open to other religions and yeah. belief in God until yeah. my sister died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then I you... was like, you know what? Not so much. Mm-hmm. I just thought that it was a huge betrayal of how what good people my parents were. Yeah. And, uh, they what, sound wonderful in the book, too. Well, yeah. they were amazing. Yeah. I mean, most people, uh, a lot of people, they break up over this. Or one person... You know, yeah. becomes whatever, uh, but not my parents. Uh, it actually uh, they it drew them closer, and you yeah. know, they didn't get any help or therapy. Yeah. They're Nobody... a lot like my parents. Yeah, did your, okay. You did know? your mom ever read the books? I saw in your acknowledgement no. you thanked her, but but only no. look at the pictures, mom. Don't read the no, don't no. Read the and, books. It, and and the conversation was. Um, you obviously can't read this book, and she was like, "No, no, I get it." Okay, no, I mean that she was so yeah. cool. Um, when I left for Mexico with this boyfriend, uh, she said to my father, "We're not lying to the neighbors, Phil. <laughs> We're telling them where she went and who she went with. We're not going to lie and make things up." Mm. And then, of course, I'm living in Las Vegas, and yeah. um, she would always like sugarcoat everything. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> my sister couldn't work because she was 19, and I was uh, 21 or 22, but you know I could barely work. So I don't know what they thought we were doing there. Yeah. And you know, by the way, as great, and I say this in the book, I love my parents dearly, uh, yeah. but as good as they were at being husband and wife, uh, they really yeah. sucked as parents. Yeah. I mean, I thrived <laughs> with no discipline. I mean, yeah. that, but you know, you needed that. well. well in, in, in their defense, you yeah. were something of a challenge. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> as a father a of a 17 year old daughter, yeah. yes. I, I, had had my 17 year old daughter done some of the things that you describe yeah. in the book, and she's only yeah. 17, right. so there's still time. Yeah. But I, I know that uh, that would be not been easy as a, as a no, father. No, to... but then again, they never really fully comprehended yeah. how bad it could all go. Yeah. You know more. Now. Who did? Right, yeah, right. you know. But, but but it was like that yeah. cartoon where Mr. Magoo crosses the street, uh-huh. and you know he almost. <laughs> gets hit well i made it across the street my sister didn't right right, and it was really that simple but when that happened and i thought well my life is over and aren't i glad that i had mexico and i did all those things when that happened i i figured out i don't believe in god anymore but i'm going to make this deal just in case and i remember sitting in my room playing the leonard cohen album over and over and over and over and um thinking to myself okay if you you need to like make a promise to whoever is in charge, that nothing will ever hurt your parents again, and you will never ever do anything that might end up badly because you don't want to put them through this anymore. Wow. And if they would just smile again and be able to live again, you will forego any of that. So it wow. did suit me, but I also at that point decided I'm never going to risk anything again that might end up badly. So when <laughs> Warren came into my family, yeah. I was like, no. No, because first of all, I was so afraid that uh, everybody at that time thought that he was going to oh he was going to die. Everybody, yeah, I remember hearing that. Yes, too. everybody yeah. thought that. They wrote that whole Rolling Stone article mm. about it, mm. and I thought, yeah, it's going to be on my watch. No. And I couldn't save my sister, 
and I'm not going to be able to save him, and I'm going to have two people that died on my watch, and I'm like, what's wrong with me? You know, it, so I just... What's wrong? That's, well, that's typical codependent. But yet, right, thinking, I was you know so I mean? codependent. But yet he yeah. kept drawing you back into right. his yes, life. I was not... Um, I, w- I describe myself as a narcissist with low self-esteem. Okay, it's yeah. all about me, but I hated me. So, yeah. And I didn't feel worthy. I felt like I had what Michelle Obama's talking about, the imposter syndrome. I got this radio job after never even I, uttering the words DJ or yeah. wanting to be a DJ. Got, got it, was so popular, didn't know why. Yeah. So I was so defensive. It was like, I'm going to put you myself You don't deserve down. to be right. having all these good things in yeah, your life. Yeah, so before somebody yeah. else could say, oh, right. what are you doing here? I was going to go, Ugh, what am I doing here? Yeah. So I didn't have the uh, self-esteem to pursue Warren or any of the other mm. guys, uh, musicians, famous people that I met. I only took what came to me. Wow. Right. I ne- but you were sitting in such a, you know. Well, yeah. I, mean, I remember like, you know, the billboards and, yeah. you know. I, it was you, it was great. Well, I, first of all, I I was at times. the peak of my physical looks. Yeah, you look great. I was at the peak. You still look great. Well, but, but, but you let's back then, get real. I, but let's but get I remember real. seeing you go, whoa, that's Anita. Oh. Well, that was the yeah. thing there for some reason in that. Usually it doesn't work out that no, way. No, <laughs> it doesn't. You don't hit your prime when you hit your peak, when you hit yeah. your, but it was yeah. all happening mm-hmm. and I got that. I got mm-hmm. I knew I understood that because there was no other way to describe the popularity. I mean it was instant. Yeah. And I'd never ever done anything like this before yeah. or aspired to do it or thought about doing it. So when it happened, I just had to keep saying to myself, it's because, you know, you love music yeah. and you pick the right music. Right. And then after that can't I can't be you. Yeah, it can't <laughs> be me. So when they wanted to do the billboard, um you know, it wasn't lost on me that uh, the first campaign for the uh, first job. And I this ever was had, Victor that had a lot to do with this. This was Victor, uh, but the first campaign, I, you know, I actually started out on uh, WCAU yep. when it was uh, Fascinating Rhythm. Yeah. And so it was the year of Saturday Night Fever. Right. And um, it was, uh, I played Natalie Cole and uh, Teddy Pendergrass right. and Howard, uh, Howard Melvin and the Blue Notes. Howard Melvin and the Blue Notes. Philly Soul stuff. Baby, you got my nose yeah. open. That was when I spun a lot. So that was my first job and uh i love that you didn't know how to use the turntables never then, learned, that was pretty cool never DJ. learned how to do it but again yeah, as luck would through. have it yeah that was the first yeah. automated station wow. in the country how about that all you had to do yeah. was show up early print out the songs on a sheet go into the room and pull the, put the carts wow. in the thing wow. it was automatic wow. so the voice track would come up on a computer if you didn't open the mic and say something Two seconds later, another song would start. So I just learned, I would sit and write little things to say. You know, little jokes and little things. And then I would turn, open the mic and say these things. So um, I had had a lot of spare time because you're not queuing up songs. You're not doing anything. So that phone's ringing. It's ringing and ringing and ringing. And I followed the... Yeah. Bricklands. Now, the Bricklands. How about that? Yeah, Scott and Brian. Parents, they were parents, psychologists right? on the radio. So yeah. I followed them. Yeah. And they were on tape. They yeah. weren't there live. So I would come in the, uh, during the mornings. I was the first morning man. And I would come in and uh, the phones are ringing for them. But I don't realize that. So I'd answer the phone. And, and they <laughs> would Skanita. start telling me their problems. these horrible problems. Uh-huh. you know. And I didn't have the heart to say, 
Okay. Well, I'm the girl that plays the record, so I would say, well, have you talked to your husband about this? <laughs> so that started so right that back was then. the start yeah, of me being the, wow. sh- the, the radio shrink. And this wow. is when you had the fans at the prison, though, right? Also? I was, yes. Greater for Prison um, anointed me uh, Miss Cell Block 400. Right. And I would get these <laughs> letters. I would get uh, these letters. I still have the letters from the inmates. I, uh, wrote I was Miss So Fine. Right, Miss So Fine. I was Miss So Fine of Cell Block 400 of Greater for Prison. Yeah, and uh, they wanted me to make a personal appearance, but my mother said, that was one of the things my mother said. No, no. way. And she said, and make sure you don't, do you remember Jello jumps? The, okay, so when disc jockeys were trying to be zany before yeah. Howard Stern, okay. they used to do wild things. Uh-huh. And uh, they used to uh, do things that... Uh, had, they would have like a tub of Jello, uh-huh. and then you would jump into the jump Jello. In the Jello. My mother would say, "Get that in your don't do a Jello jump. That would, <laughs> Get that out of that, there." Yeah, that was the kind of advice my mother. Would Another thing, gave your me. mom. I, I really like this uh, that she could never find. She would always find somebody something good in someone. Absolutely, I love that about. Her, oh my you know? goodness, like, I would the, bring people home that were right. literally just nodding out at the table and. Such <laughs> such freaks, you yeah, know, yeah. and and oh, he's a good guy. Oh yeah, he yeah, said hello. Yeah. His name is Bulb. Oh, that's so. She was like, that's so interesting, you know, because that's the way she was raised. You uh-huh. know, uh, she was just one of these non-judgmental parents yeah. that wasn't yeah. afraid uh, right. to to like just you know just be yourself and your dad was one to so leave it up to when it came to sex and things oh like my goodness your dad wasn't going to touch that it was just your mom's department my dad would have checked my daughter's a virgin box you know yeah. the day he died you know right. what i mean he would oh. he, he never wanted to hear about it i mean you know i i my mother once called me the most live with human so i lived <laughs> with boyfriends and people and yeah. but he never he just didn't think he just wanted to, he would always say, act like a lady. Yeah. He would never get into your business. He would never say, don't wear that, you know. And I mean, I went to Bucks County Community College. The whole first year, I wore a halter top, uh-huh. a sealskin belt, All right. and bell-bottom jeans and red clogs <laughs> yeah. every day. Right. So basically, yeah. you, you know, you go to college brawless, yeah. and it wasn't a thing. No, it, was it, it wasn't a thing back yeah. then. I think my girlfriend wore that too. Yeah, everyone wore too, it. Yes, know? everyone wore it. And that. you saw Springsteen at college. Well, which the, I, well, I, I have a million people that told me, I, I believe you. Well, I have friends with <laughs> me from Buckingham. There were probably said, about 40 people. It's like the police concert at Grendel's Lair. Everybody was there. There were 30 people there. Right. Well, it's like, yeah, it's like the yeah. Beatles at Shea. Yeah. But, but what happened with, with Bruce, it's so funny because Bruce and I have never had any even flirtation yeah. but he's he was around sure. uh, through uh well first of all the when i was point. living well i was living in mexico mm. and i decided to take a summer off because my boyfriend had left me for another girl and i he hadn't told me and i was shocked and Good i part in the book yeah and i just yeah. you know decided to go home and spend a summer at home so it's uh 1974 yeah. and i have to get a job so the oxford valley mall had just opened i bought willie lump lump Oh my and God! No, the Chamonix no Mall was Willie Lump. I, yes. I I bought clothes there. I, I probably I, chalked yeah, those I bet jeans. You did. You were probably like sulking and yes. like we were talking. I, oh you were my not God. happy. You weren't a happy camper. Not, no. But no. I went in there and I would buy because I was into like okay, I got a little kip. I play rock and roll, so I'm going to go buy clothes off Anita. Well, did I know it was? I didn't know it was you. But, I get I get a job in the yeah. No Name Boutique, which was a unisex boutique, right. and uh, they fire me because I allow some guy to come so, in. Springsteen. And, 
sell Springsteen tickets. And I thought he was selling tickets to see Norman Greenbaum because Spirit yeah. in the Sky, Spirit yeah. in the Night. Right. I had no idea. I'd been living in Mexico, so I had no idea. So yeah. he said, well, I feel so bad. Would you like to uh, work for this ticket, White Dove Ticket Agency? Yeah. I said, what do I do? He said, well, do you know any places that would sell these tickets? I'm thinking John and Peter's where I used to waitress in New Hope. So I go there and I convince them to let me sell these tickets there. Right. And they put a poster up and uh, we ended up going to the shows. I uh, got a job to do box office and my friend Nancy, she cooked for the band. She brought treats. Wow. And uh, Mike Appel was there. Yeah. And uh, I'll never forget it. I walked into the State Theater in uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey, first time. And um, I'm like, in, you know, I'm up in the up in the box office, and I hear this band, and they're playing Twist and Shout. Yeah. And I cannot believe how great it sounds. So cool. That Draws you did that. me in, and okay. the, you know, it's sound check. Yeah. And um, from the first day, that's yeah. when Clarence called me down to the stage. Yeah, I love that. And he said, "I want you to do me a favor." And I said, "What?" <laughs> It's a good he, story. Yeah, he said, um, when my wife arrives, I want you to make sure she gets in and gets to her seat. I'm like, no, no, no problem. You know, he said, she'll be coming in the front door, whatever. I said, okay, great, great. He said, oh, and when my girlfriend arrives, <laughs> I yeah. want you to make sure she gets in the yeah. back door and she doesn't sit near the wall. I was like, got it. I got guy. it, you know. Yeah. But I was so enamored with Bruce that night. Yeah. And uh Went home and my mother was, I was living in my parents' house. My right. mother was up. I walked in and I said, Mom, I just saw this guy, yeah. but he's never going to amount to anything wow. because he, he won't shut up and stop telling these stories. Wow. And he, he, he doesn't speak up when he talks. He kind of mumbles yeah. and he tells the same stories every night. He doesn't realize he's got the same 25 people there every night. So he gets to the punchline and a guy in the audience shouts yeah. out the punchline. Throws and, a chair. And then, the, then, then Bruce turns around and, the, and he says, hey, Hey, fuck you, buddy. And the guy picks up his chair and throws it at Bruce um, and the show's over. I'm wow. like, so this guy's never yeah. going to amount to anything, right. which is such a shame. Yeah. So I, I go to a couple of more shows and uh, <laughs> then I decide I got to go back to Mexico. Right. Right. And I go back to Mexico and a couple of months later, he's on the cover of Time and Newsweek. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I, I, I'm a latecomer to Springsteen. I started really getting into Springsteen because Kuzma, my buddy John Kuzma said, you got to see this guy. And I think he bought me a ticket in 1980 on the river tour I was not you know but I heard all those stories about in, in, in Bucks County and playing in college because I have friends of mine that went to that show um, but you know like he was playing around here for a long time, a long and, you, time. and you went to those shows yeah I went to know? those shows matter of fact did, I think Bruce opened for Nils once Nils' uh, band he, he, was he doing better have, than Bruce's he band. might have uh, yeah. you know he was just around forever he yeah. the Bucks County Community College yeah. show the Sonny Cassell yeah. we put that on he put that on and uh, uh, Sonny put that on yeah because wow. Allman Brothers band was supposed to be there he, he knows the story better than I but uh, they cancelled and we were bummed or something yeah. or somebody cancelled and mm. then uh, Sonny got known for doing shows, and then I had he no brought idea. Bruce there. Yeah, he's a friend of mine on Facebook. I didn't. Yeah, know yeah, that. yeah. Sonny, yeah, yeah, Sonny was there at the beginning. But the funny thing was, is that when I get back and I get into radio, I'm and I don't remember how, but I met Danny Federici, and yeah. his wife uh, then was named Amy. Mm. I don't remember how I met them, uh. but I remember going to a club in Philly 
uh, a disco and dancing with them. Uh, because that's what Danny was like. He yeah. was, you know, uh, Bruce, he was the opposite of Bruce personality-wise. Yeah. Opposite of right, Bruce right. in every way, right. and uh, and it killed Bruce. You know, they had a very tumultuous brother-like relationship. Yeah. He was there from the beginning with him. Not only know? from the beginning, but uh, there was a strange night uh, in L.A. once where um, uh, they were there for a long. You know, they used six, seven shows at you know, Santa Monica Civic or wherever it was. So we, you know, there's a lot of hanging out, but they do like a six hour sound check and a yeah. five hour show. So 11 hours a day, you know, yeah. so we used to jokingly refer like, to it as Bruce prison. Yeah. And I'd say to Danny, when are you getting out of Bruce prison tonight? And he'd say, oh man, you know, we're not even going to get out till whatever. Wow. So Bruce actually had to get a van to bring all the girlfriends and wives in wow. because nobody wanted to come at 11 o'clock in the morning and not get out of there until two o'clock. So, wow. all right. So we all used to show up together and uh, I had the little plastic pass and uh, whenever I would go backstage and do anything untoward, Bruce would walk out of the bathroom or walk into the room. So I'd look around, I'd take a shot of his whiskey in a dressing room uh-huh. and he'd walk in. Yeah. And he said, what are you doing? What are you I'd, doing? Sorry, okay. I'd you know, snort a line. What are you yeah. doing? You know I don't like that stuff. What are you doing? But you know, so I was always like, Danny, Danny, I hope yeah. this doesn't come back to hurt yeah. you. So one night we're standing at the side of the stage and somebody throws a bag of marijuana oh. near Danny. And he leaves the organ to walk down and pick it up and throws it to me and Amy on the side. And Bruce fires him that night. Wow. Again. Wow. And, you know, it lasted. This isn't in the book. No, no. And it lasted. Well, now that Bruce is coming clean with. Yeah. And he's not so private anymore about all. I feel like now, you know, he would admit to this, you know. And Danny's gone. That was kind of public thing. They're they're a little. Right. How how long was Danny out of the band that time? Uh, Eight hours or something. And and Bruce was such a prude. He wouldn't drink. He would only drink. what is that? Uh, it's like a, a some sort of liqueur. It comes in white and green. Uh, I don't know. I, it I, I, it's either white or it's green. What is it? Marcus, would you know what Anyway, that that's all he would drink. Yeah. No, no. It wasn't even that hip. It was yeah. like something your grandfather would drink. <laughs> but, yeah. it, but that's all he would drink. And he yeah. never, of course, he would never do any drugs. And, yeah. you know, he hated all drugs. Right. And uh, he had the funniest sense of humor. So, because back in those days, he wouldn't, he never spoke. Yeah. So I remember we were all at the Sunset Marquee, me and him and Danny, and we're hanging over the balcony and we're looking at everybody down at the pool, which was always such a scene. Yeah. And a guy in a satin jacket with a briefcase and a rolled up magazine under his arm comes walking in and I'm like, I wonder what line of work he's in. And Bruce was like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> And he laughed like too long and Danny yeah. and I looked at each other and we we're like, oh my God. Yeah. You know, because that's what he was like. He was yeah. like a geek, you uh, know, but then he'd get on stage. And he was ridiculous. And, and he was- yeah. He was Unbelievable. Yeah, Gave it up yeah. every yeah. night, his body. Yeah. And he saw those early shows, you know, like, I, I I feel lucky that I saw him, you know, like in, in 80. Oh, but if I you look at him. those early shows. Yeah. Wow. The, that's when it was yeah. just so magical. Suki, I think he had a violin player at yep. one time, and, and Sanchez David Sanchez, and it and, and yeah. Vinny uh, Mad Dog yeah. Lopez, and yeah. it those early shows right. were just with that second album. Yeah, which, yeah, it that's was, my favorite album of all me time. Me too. E Street Wild yeah. Innocence, me my favorite too. album of all oh time. Oh my god, that yeah. is like I, I think that should be you know up there in American music with anything yeah. that Gershwin or Paul Simon or yeah. anybody yeah. has ever composed. Side two is the greatest album side Absolutely. ever. Absolutely, hands but, down. And yeah. I really wasn't into the you know beefed up headband yeah, yeah. you're born in the usa right. thing and the early f- days yeah i think now my, my wife is the same she's yes. a Bruce Springsteen. oh i know a lot of shows i know it's the same way those early years because she used to sneak in at the main point to see 
see the boss and you know uh, those are the her favorite times as of yours well the well. funniest thing is is when uh, the night I met uh, Warren Zevon uh, uh, I, like I uh, had never been to the main point yeah. and I'd certainly I wasn't in the habit of going out alone on a Saturday night I don't think many people were many girls were and uh, I was having this uh, relationship with a fellow disc jockey a guy that really Got me into radio, Steve, Steve Martirano. I know Steve, yeah. So Steve Martirano, of course, was uh, really in a jam because he had, like, you know, he had a, a real relationship. He had a girlfriend. He ended yeah. up marrying. I mean, he re- he liked me, but he loved her. Yeah, sure. And I was completely smitten, and I thought, wow, not only have I found my career yeah, after my guy. this devastation that yeah. I came out of, yeah. but, I, yeah, I found the love of my mm. life. You know, it's done. Done yeah. and done. Check, check. Right. And he's like, oh, my God. And people would start to say, you know, what – you know, who's that girl, that Eurythmics song, you know? And he'd say, oh, I'm going to get her a job in radio. I'm going to get her a job in radio. That's right. why she's hanging around. <laughs> and uh turned out he had to, yeah. you know, because... It, well, it, good thing he did. It became was- common knowledge. But the night that I finally got it yeah. through my thick skull that yeah. it wasn't going to happen, uh, he was on the air at MMR, and I was sitting faithfully behind him waiting for him to get off the air so we could, you know, go out. And he had already decided it was over, but he hadn't told me yet. <laughs> and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting, and uh, I don't know what time it was, 8, yeah. 9 o'clock. He was, like, on 6 to 10. And uh, f- he's trying to tell it to me, and I- I'm not getting it. And finally, he opens the mic, and he says, uh, if I were you and I had nothing to do tonight or my plans had been canceled, so he's talking to me, uh-huh. uh, I'd go see this guy right. who's opening for Steve Goodman uh-huh. at the main point tonight. He's uh-huh. from uh, Los Angeles, and his name is Warren Zevon, and he opens up the record and puts it on and plays yeah. it. And I'm sitting there, and it finally dawns on me, and I said, oh, I get it. Okay, well, you know what? I am going to go, and I am going to go to the show by myself and blah, blah, blah. And the weirdest thing is I could have just told him I was going to do that. Right. But I actually did it. I got yeah. out, got in my Toyota Corolla, you went. <laughs> drove to the main point, yeah. and stood in line. And you remember they had the windows where they would put yep. the, the, the headshots of the people and right. their album. That mm. was the first time I'd laid eyes on Warren Zevon. I mm. looked at the picture. And he was opening uh, for Billy, so I mean for Steve. So I get it there, and I'm kind of late, and there's one seat in the yeah. front. And I was like, that's my seat. And as as smitten and as in love as I was with Steve, yeah. I sit in this seat. Everybody's giving that clap when a guy's Boom. late, you know, and Warren's doing his thing where, yeah. you know, he's – he doesn't feel like he's worthy of the audience, so he wants to sabotage it before he gets out there. So he's late. Yeah. So then they're booing. So then he can come out and he can be, you Come's know, fuck right. you, buddy. You know, right, so right. that's how Check he this shit out. Because that's right. how he operated. Yeah. So, but who knew that then? Right. So finally, you know, when he only gets like thirty-five minutes, he finally comes out. He's in a disheveled suit, a great suit, but yeah. he's all disheveled. <laughs> and he sits down. He's obviously a little drunk, and he sits down at the piano. And within fifteen seconds. Seconds, yeah. I'm like gone. Yeah. It was like yeah. lightning bolt. Mm. The the music, the way he looked, what was it? Just every, everything, all, all of it. Yeah. It just yeah. I was a dude, and I mean a different thing. I I remember seeing him and going, wow, this guy. Because I, again, a little bit later, but I got turned on to Excitable Boy and the record with uh, Johnny Strikes Up the Band yeah, and all that. Yeah. They, they were, you know, we we covered those songs. Yeah, right? they, we that, would cover I, those. Songs. I just, ne- yeah, I yeah. I don't know I was what happened. Out. He was kind of. 
You know, I liked him better than Springsteen back in the day. He you know? well, there was something. You know, there was mm. something there. You know, yeah. he he wasn't trying to be mm. charismatic. He mm. didn't care how he looked. Right. And uh, I wanted deal. to stay for the second show. And he ended up hearing, overhearing me ask, and uh, he walked up in that voice of his and said, uh, you know, you know, let her stay on the condition she, you come backstage yeah. and tell me how you liked it. Uh-huh. So I can't wait to go backstage, and it's over, and I walk backstage, and he's with a girl. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I couldn't believe it, and he runs up to me, no, 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 it's not what you think, and uh-huh. this is getting back to the Springsteen thing. He says, um, I was in... Uh, uh, Freehold last night uh, with Bruce Springsteen, and we wrote a song. With I wrote a song with Bruce Springsteen. Jeez. You know, he's trying to like you know pull Impress that you. pull the Springsteen card in, yeah. and this girl just followed me there. Yeah. You know, she she lives up there in Asbury Park, and right. she followed me here. And if you come back tomorrow night, I swear to God, she won't be here. But did I tell you I wrote a song with Bruce Springsteen? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he did that smile, and yeah. I was like, All right, I'll come back tomorrow night. But yeah. you know. That's it, you know. Oh, so I man. did, and um, the rest is history. That started, and that yeah. was before and I was, was on the radio. This was 1976. Yeah. Yes, right? yes, yeah. and there, I actually have that show on tape. Somebody wow. recorded wow. it. They yeah. were recording all those shows right. then. Right. In fact, it was um, Bobby Silver's. I wanted to bring up Bobby okay. because Bobby had so much to do with, you all know, right. your your life. And, oh my god, I had no idea, and I would see. I didn't know. I, I'm just kind of getting to know Bobby. I would see Bobby. I knew Bobby. Would, I would always think, man, I wish Bobby worked for us. Well, of all the people I ever man. met, yeah. uh, and I think I can uh, probably give the analogy of if you ever saw that show Broad City. Right. Yeah. The kind of friendship that those yeah. girls have. Yeah. Okay. That's Stalin's. I don't know if you know, but. Uh, well, I was going to tell you. Yeah. I found that out. I yeah. was like, oh, my God, I have to, I have to yeah. meet them. Yeah. Uh, because uh, I Alana. thought. Yeah. I just thought yeah. that, you know. And Abby. Yeah, I just thought about. these girls. What happened with Bobby Silver was um, I met uh, Steve Martirano, uh, and it's a, a funny way in the book. You have to read yeah. that the way that happened. Yeah. And then I met Michael Tierson, mm. and uh, it was during a screening of the movie uh, Ladies and Gentlemen, The Rolling Stones. Ah. And MMR was doing that screening. And Bobby Silver was there, but of course she could never sit through an entire anything. So she got up to leave, and I got up to leave, and we ended up meeting uh, later that night at Doobies. Yeah. Something about her, just I knew that if if I was hanging with her, it was going everything would be fine. And the wow. day that people saw me get in her car and drive yeah. away, I gained. Instant credibility. There's a force. Instant yeah. credibility. People yeah. started taking me seriously. Mm. I was Bobby's friend. That's all they had to know. Wow. And she has stuck by me and with yeah. me through thick and thicker. Well, I saw you at the 50th anniversary. Yes, at yes. At the party they had for WMMR, and it was nice to see you hanging yeah. out. It was nice to see a lot of people. Like, you talk about Carol Miller. Yes, and being yeah. Somebody that you, you uh, admired. She was it. She com- was the only yeah. one. And then, you know, of course, you set the path as well, doing what you're doing with Bobby... It was for, it was nice for, to see you and Bobby hanging out. For people out who like don't that. know, for people outside the business who don't know, Bobby was a. I guess she did promotion for record labels right. for, for about forty two years. Forty two years and a woman. Yes, look, man, that's right, right, right. small potatoes, right. yeah. man, because it was a guy's business. Right, and uh, you know, Bobby came in would not get. You know, she was getting that record played, right. man. And no like Anita what, was saying, when, if you were with Bobby, you were somebody. Oh yeah. my God! Yeah. I mean, Bobby and I, we went to a lot of record conventions together, uh, and. Uh, it was like being with, uh, 
I can't even, yeah. you know, name the yeah. high, biggest star in the world. Yeah. Because she did what she had to do. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You know, Bobby brought a lot of things to the party, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I like always, the bathroom, the scene in the oh plane. Oh, my God, Where yes. she reached into the toilet. Yes, I've yes. been there. <laughs> yeah, well, Bobby was so funny because she was so unfiltered. Yeah. Uh, seeing her now and how well she's behaved now, you can't even believe some of the stuff. But I was there, and I know it really happened. But, she, yeah, she was the uh, premier record yeah. promoter for yeah. all those years. And she had stories. I mean, uh, she started out Jamie Records on yeah. Broad Street as a secretary. And somebody dies. Promotion and person. she ends Took up off. taking over with the name Bobby. And they don't even realize that they're going to be visited by a girl. Yeah. So she had that going for her. And the fact that she looked like a dude... Mm. Early on, she yeah. looked, you know, kind yeah, of like Leaf Garrett, you mm-hmm. know. So it was kind of like, well, she wasn't using that, yeah. uh, but she, she was relentless. She was a pit bull. She just yeah. did what she well, had to if, do and got it done. If you see the movie, um, for those of you that Spinal Tap, yes, uh, Bobby, Bobby Fleckman, Fleckman, Bobby is, Fleckman, yes, uh, is is basically modeled after yes, uh, because Bobby Silver. because Bobby Silver was working yeah. with Lenny and Squiggy, right. Uh, when they did their rock and roll record. Yeah. So that's how they got to know yeah. her. And when, and when, yeah, when they did Spinal Tap, you know, because Bobby wasn't, she didn't have that affectation that, you know, Bobby Flackman, she didn't have that. In fact, Bobby used to speak so quickly that I'd see people would get lost and what I'd say, said. no, you got to look at her mouth. <laughs> you got to look at her mouth if right. you want to know what she's saying, yeah. you know, and, and, but yeah, she, she was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and, and to this day, I owe so much to her, yeah. so much to her. That's yeah. great. That's a great part of the book. It's funny though because so many people like even me musicians that I know you know like wonder like how'd you get on the radio you right. know like it doesn't just magically happen sometimes somebody hears it but it takes somebody like Bobby they right. help a band progress in the yeah, business yeah. and stuff like and that she, and, and you're with your career well you know she and I uh there was a lot of luck yeah. but we took advantage of it you know uh she just happened to be working for the company that had Saturday Night Fever uh-huh. so Neil you Bogart, know, right? Was Neil it? Bogart yeah. at Casablanca. There's a great stories in her book because she, I mean, we're just touching some of yeah. them, but you get into the Neil Bogart, Bogart, the New York thing. I mean, so much great. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to rush through Anita's yeah. career, but we we do need to get to when you ended up having the morning show at MMR. Because yeah, that was yeah I mean, for, a, for a woman and and you know it was who, who grew up loving rock and yes. roll, and now you have the morning shift at. The rock and roll station right. in the city. I mean, and, and as you said, you're a novice. You're still a relative novice in the business at this point. Oh my God! I mean, I have no idea. I have no clue. I'm clueless. <laughs> All I've done so far was uh, announce those R and B songs. Right. How I ever ended up in the morning there, I'll never know. And I didn't know at the time that I wasn't making Morning Man money. So I didn't realize that. So yeah. maybe it was a budgetary issue where they figured, what do we got to lose? Let's, you know, see Let's if bring her in Let's so we can pay her less. Exactly. And, yeah, right. So even though I loved being on the radio, and that's the job that Steve Martirano got me, hmm. uh, you know, he took me in the studio and he says, no, 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 don't say WC. A-U, say W-C-A-U. Like, I didn't even know uh, how to say the call letters. Yeah. That's how bad it was. You so- fooled us all. I had no idea because you seemed to me, as some, as a listener, 
you always the thing I loved about you is like it was so freaking natural. Well, you remember your first time behind the drums and the first time yeah, on stage. I, guess, I yeah, mean, same yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, I, really. I, guess I never thought no, about that. Absolutely, nobody. Yeah, I got you play the drums because you can play a beat and it feels steady enough, better than us. So you were that, that and yeah. it felt right. The first time yeah. I slid those headphones on wow. and heard my voice in my headphones, wow. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. And then I realized that my whole life, you know, I'd been kind of preparing for this. Wow. Because music meant so much to me, mm. and I was so damaged <laughs> by the time I became a disc jockey that I was perfect for the job mm. because I felt everything. Mm. And I was way better at accepting love from complete strangers that I never had to meet than I was on, mm. in a one on one relationship because yeah. that was always so screwed up. Mm. So I was, it was perfect for me. It turned out to be. Like, just unbelievably perfect. So I'm doing this crazy morning show on this station where I love doing it, but I can't really say that I love the music. I mean, I, you know, I'm from Philly, so I love some of it. Mm. But one night I go to a party. Bobby took me to a party, and Jerry Stevens Jerry was Stevens, there. Yeah. And Jerry was one of those program directors who just... I mean, you know. He was on fire. He was crazy. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know how he ever became. That always makes me about him because yeah. yeah. I knew Charlie pretty well. Yeah. And Charlie right. Kendall were right. talking about. These guys, no, Charlie could be up all night. Charlie could be up for, for a four month. days. And I hung out with Charlie sometimes, sometimes in the memorable uh, times. And I guess right. Jerry was a little bit of the same Jerry animal. Was, exactly. And mm. uh, Bobby had told, something, told him something. Uh, <laughs> so uh, he calls me into the bathroom of this part of this apartment or wherever we're partying and uh, he lays out lines of cocaine for him <laughs> and this is the interview yeah you want to come over to mmr <laughs> and i was like yes i would and he goes okay we had a girl there and her name started with an a yeah and your name starts with an a so i figured i'll be able to remember a it april anita. april anita so yeah. I, and i think at first he was even considering that i just stick with the name April. I was like, no, I don't think that that's a good idea. But he gives me the morning show Jeez. on MMR in the bathroom. So now I'm thinking, when I show up, is he even going to remember? <laughs> and now you have to remember that I'm going into a studio with two turntables and a microphone, and I don't know I how to run them. the equipment. I've never run a turntable. Oh, Bobby's like, don't worry, I'll be there with you. Wow. So uh, I don't even get the key for the floor that the studio is on. So I'm like pleading. I don't know if you remember the old guard in front of the Wellington building. Sure. With the silver hair. Sure. He was like an Irish gentleman. Yeah. And uh, he was I can't let you up there. if you don't. And I'm like, I'm on the air. What are you talking <laughs> about? So, yeah, I finally get up there with Bobby and... Um, we go in the studio and, you know, she lights a fat one and I try to figure out how to put this music on and I did it. I don't know how wow. I did it. I just, you know. But I, it seems so natural, man, as a listener and a fan. I mean, it just seemed like, uh, man, you know. Do you remember anything about how you greeted the audience? Yeah, at I, I remember uh, Jamie's Crying was okay. the first song I played. Wow. And uh, she stood behind me laughing and uh, we were smoking a joint and then I realized I would relax and I'd be like, oh my God, I got to put another song. And they had the, the music was on the back wall. The, the albums were on the back wall. And in those days, uh, you had to pull your show ahead of time so you knew and you had to make sure that the guy before you, he would leave the albums that he played pulled out. Right, so you wouldn't repeat the songs. Yeah, because right. you had like a four hour rotation 
And uh, I, and this was the day when DJs still had some say over. Yes, or a lot I was of say lucky enough that music. I could choose mm. of the albums that we were there, and we actually had music meetings back in those days where you would get you would get a whole bunch of albums, you'd go home and listen to them on mm. your own, and all the new releases, and mm. then you'd come back. And they would tell you what the single was supposed to be, yeah. but if you liked a different one and we voted on it, that's the wow, song that's, that we played. Awesome. You were lucky. I, I mean, I think about like the band guys. For, I'm so. I tell people all the time. I, I have a son, 28 years old, who went in the music business stuff. He's making f- music for films now because it's a different world in radio. Absolutely. You had music people. You would yes. pick music. Now it's like some guy that right. doesn't well, make the choice. You, you made the you choice because you had like, ears. Right. You, I always say it's like if you go, if you're a chef, you go, you know, everybody can make spaghetti sauce. Everybody knows what goes into spaghetti sauce, but some people's spaghetti sauce, they just know what kind of ingredients exactly. to make it better. And to make, so these songs, they were so alive in me and I, I felt what should come next mm-hmm. and I knew what should come next. And I just, and it turns out when I think about it now and friends have told me you were doing this, this show in your apartment, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be like, you have to hear this Elvis Costello song <laughs> while the Elvis Costello song is on. I'm looking through my albums right. to see what. I should play for them next. Mm-hmm. So I was always yeah. kind of doing it. Yeah, it's like, you like this? Check out Rock Pile. Right. You know what I mean? Right. If, yeah. right. You know, Nick Lowe wrote this song, yeah. so let me play your Nick Lowe. You knew so all that I stuff. knew I wanted to know. I would read these liner notes and I would know, I might be yeah. pronouncing the name wrong, but I would know all these guys. Yeah. And that was one of the cool things about Warren. <laughs> when I would finally get out to LA with him and he would introduce the me. The Kunkel or something. Yes, like the Marauders and the Waddy Wachtel and he would introduce sure. me. Bob Glob. Oh my God. And not yeah. to mention the day where he says to me very casually, I have to go to the studio today and um working Jackson. on a record and I'm like, great. And we drive to the studio and we pull in the parking lot and there's Jackson Brown <laughs> unloading equipment from his car. We're the only three people right. in the studio right. when he records Accidentally wow. like a martyr mm-hmm. and hasten down the wind. Unbelievable. Those were the two vocal tracks yeah. that day. And then the great part of, in the book where you talk about when you heard Running on Empty. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. who gets that? That's yeah. the kind of shit Amazing. that is like unbelievable Amazing. that your life, the history of your life, some things that have happened or this. Well, and I got to thank Jackson because, um, you know, the saddest part of, of the whole thing was my inability to uh, be able to help Warren when he went to rehab, wow. you know. Along with everybody else, I begged him to go, never thinking that he would, mm. uh, half of me not really ever believing that he would or that it would even help because uh, having lost my sister and convincing myself that there was nothing anybody could have done, right. knowing the depths of his alcoholism, mm. which it was to a degree where he could literally, and I'm not making this up, he could drink an entire fifth of vodka in one, like he could. Yeah, and it wouldn't do anything to him. It would it would I even him it. out so that he yeah. could actually walk around. Yeah. And it was so bad uh, that I had no idea that you could just go someplace for a couple of weeks and, mm. you know, sit in a group and sing Kumbaya and come out and be different. Yeah. And would I even like that guy? And I'm being real honest here. Am I Now, it's a disease and he yeah. has a disease and it's it's not going to be fun anymore. And this is where my shortcomings came in. I could not, you know, I had these options. I had a career. I had my own fans. Sure. I had a life that had yeah. been already yeah. damaged by this. Right. Wasn't going to let this happen again. Right. So when he told me he was going to rehab, I was really happy for him. Then I found out I had to go yeah. too. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. So I go. You're calling me a co? Exactly. You know, well, to get ready for the trip, I, you know, I 
packed my pot. Yeah. You know, and I got drunk on the plane, mm-hmm. which I never do because I wanted to show them it's not my addiction. It's, it's not his, my his problem. problem right? You know, I can party and put it away. I can take it or leave it. So I get there and I meet these other people and it's mm. such a horror story there and it's so awful. And it I was, know, I, you, I know, know that you know, and it was uh, not um, anonymous when it came to Warren. Yeah. He was like, oh my God, they were all enamored with sure. him and he had told them all about me and by the time I got there, uh, yeah. I was a sitting duck. So when I spoke up in group and I said, you know, I just didn't, th- I, I literally broke up with him in group. Uh, that's a great story in the book. You so know that, I mean. you know, he, he just, it was terrible. I mean, it's, a, you know, terrible, terrible. He says he forgave me, but I don't think he ever did. And they said, well, what do you want us to do? And I said, call Jackson Brown. Uh-huh. And I wasn't being flip. Yeah. But I knew that he would take that care of That he cared him. about yeah. him. That he yeah. Loved. yeah, you know, so. been fortunate enough to meet him. I didn't know him like you did, but I met him a couple times, and he just seems like such a, a good guy. He know, was, great... but he didn't know how to help Warren either, and he had his own tragedy early in his life. Mm. So he was one of those guys that he was like, you know, I, I, I got through my thing. I mean, he never really said this, but he was like, I got through my thing, and, and I'm trying to do the mm. best I can, and he just didn't understand how Warren couldn't uh, help well, himself. Well, eventually it's up to the, you know, like, you know, you got to make that, on, at some point, a recovery, you go, yeah. uh, it's up to me right, now. Right. Do I go this down right. door number one or door number two, and you take that one, you know, you just make that choice, or you just give up completely. Well, you can imagine my yeah. horror when it actually it worked it took and he checks out of rehab and he goes back to LA and he's productive and he's sober and Mm. I feel like an idiot and uh, at least I got my job Mm. for three more months right and then they fire me to put Howard Stern on the air so in the past six months Mm. the relationship's over the career is over and and he's with somebody else (laughs) oh yeah well he was always with somebody Uh, else (laughs) was that really the last time you spoke with him until you talked to him a few months before he died no 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 we uh we were like hell bent on trying to make it work again in the 90s Mm, we tried again and uh (laughs) hey man you know i thinking about what you said i mean thank god you are the way you are because probably want to survive i mean the fact that even you knew like you said initially that's his problem that's a big deal to know yeah you know what i mean a lot of guys a lot of co's don't know that no, until I, they go no like, oh, I, well, we're together yeah. so it's our problem that's right, pretty right. amazing that you had that I, you know i it was so obvious to me especially because um i saw him in his married state yeah. i i was there mm. you know I, I i was in the room mm. <laughs> uh you know, he had this crazy idea. You know, you have to remember what the times were back then. Sure. And, uh, you know, he had this crazy idea. You know, he really felt beholden to Crystal, to his wife, and he loved her in a certain way, mm. but it was completely different then than the-, the way that he felt about me and mm. a different type of love and a different, you know, and I, I don't, get it. Mm. you know, so yeah. he had this crazy idea that we could all coexist, <laughs> you know, as only a man would. <laughs> and I was, uh, I, I twisted that whole thing cause I was so damaged. Like I said, I twisted that whole thing to go, wow, this yeah. guy's trying to rearrange his life for me. Yeah. You know, he must really care, you know, when mm. in reality, somebody should have said, what are you doing? So when, uh, you know, he started inviting me to come visit that story in the book. Them as a couple with a six month old baby and I go because I couldn't believe it. So I drunk with a gun. Drunk with a gun when I got there and uh 
yeah, it only went downhill from there. Mm. So I did wipe my hands clean. Mm. I was like, that's it. Mm. But I, I, you he know, didn't stay away. Yeah. I mean, like you had that, I guess, it, you know, wonderful and a horror story at the same time, you know. And I, I, yeah. I met him briefly through you. I don't know if we talked yeah, about that. Briefly, I think before yeah. we got on. Did we talk about that? Yeah, I briefly, think we did. We did. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. yeah. All right. But, we don't well, need to go over that again. No. Now, one of the things in the book, obviously, there's a lot of details about your relationship with Warren and also your experiences on the radio, which we haven't really gotten in too much. You went from MMR, you left MMR, YSP. you came back to the area. Yeah. And then you were in Boston, which yeah. was pretty Boston, amazing. Well, I didn't know that about I you. I walked off of the morning show at WMMR. Jerry Stevens got fired, of yeah. course. Right, and you clashed with the new program director. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he was really, I mean, yeah. I was at that point now, I had had so much fun in my life. That I was, I wasn't into it if it wasn't going to be fun. You worked with John Budwell, for God's sake. I did. <laughs> they hired a girl who they obviously felt was a lot of fun, was out all night. You know, I used to describe myself as the girl next door who was never home. Right, you know, right, right. so they hired one girl, and then they put her on the, they put me on the morning. So I have to get up four thirty in the morning. Uh, so what? How can I still be that girl? And then I find out that the reason all the guys are doing it is because they're making a fortune. Uh-huh. And I'm not making any money. So I go to this guy and I say, one thing or the other, either I'm going to give up my whole life and mm. everything that I am to get up at 4.30 in the morning. I mean, how much cocaine can I do? Mm. How many nights can I stay awake? This is really bad for my health. Unless you pay me a fortune and I can live large, I'm not doing this anymore. He called my bluff. And he fired you. And no. No. I quit. Oh. And I was George Costanza. Oh, I quit. quit. And then, quit. of course, what do I do? I go to Bobby Silver and I go, what am I going to do now? And she goes, oh. okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to move out of your apartment. I was at Parktown Place, yeah. the kibbutz. Yeah. <laughs> she says, you're going to move out of your apartment. You're going to move in my extra bedroom. She was living at the Warwick. Mm-hmm. Uh, apartment 911. Oh, the party room. The party room. <laughs> and she said, and I'm going to give you three months mm. and you're going to get another job. So I move into her apartment. One month goes by, two months go by. She's like, I got to help her out. Yeah. So she goes up to Boston. Wow. Where she's, you know, cause she's regional. Yeah. And uh, working Hall and Oates, yeah. <laughs> and uh, comes back down to Philly with this guy who uh, was starting a brand new station as an offshoot of BCN. Yeah. WCOZ, Tommy Hadges. Uh. And she brings Tommy to the party. And again, bathroom, cocaine, <laughs> interview. We're all the business deals. And I talking. get the job. Yeah. It's like, you want to come to Boston? <laughs> yeah, I'd love it, but I don't want to work mornings. All right, how about you come up next Tuesday? So I go to Boston. Now, I'd uh. been there once before. Uh, there was a Vegas thing that, you know, but I'd forgotten it because, you know, that's what I do. I, I just forget everything th- that happened. So I go, I'm basically driving to a new place, leaving uh-huh. everybody behind in Philly. I'm thinking, what have I done? But I get there and uh, I was there for a year and it was very interesting because I got to work at night and I was kind of like out from under my parents' view so i like to call it the year of living sexually you know because people think that i you know i was like always you know what but i really wasn't it was like i i was i really wasn't except for that one year 1979 yeah. and that's when i met daryl hall and bob weir yeah and uh great great yeah. 
Yeah, there's great great stories in the book book about some of the rock and rollers. You've got to get it. It's uh, really good. And she brought me an autograph copy. I did. I did. It's on Amazon.com, and and it's real cheap. And the reason I did it, inexpensive, I should say. I self-published it because I wanted to get it out there. And uh, I really- Do you ever shop for a publisher on it? Have you? Yeah, kind of. But you know, they really want you to be like- I mean, oh, they 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 just the way they do it. The publishing companies are so it's like I, the record companies. Yeah. They're obsolete. Yeah. And you know, they pick a phrase or they you know, even Michelle Obama, God bless her. I don't need to buy the book now. Mm. I've heard all the heard stories all. Right. and they want you to go with the, you know, botched menage story. Mm. That yeah. would have been the headline. Uh-huh. I didn't want to disrespect Warren's children yeah. or anything like that. I wanted to be very careful. And well, I, there are there is definitely a lot of juicy stuff. I mean, some there's some memoirs you read and people don't name names. Now you Named, yeah, names. but it's not cringeworthy. Right? No, no, no. no. But it's not cringeworthy. But there's stuff that people are going to. Yes. Th- you know that the average person, obviously, your relationship with Warren was well publicized. Some of the other stories, like I had no idea about some of these other rock and roll right. musicians. Right. That, that... Well, the thing is, with Nils, we were out in yeah. public in Philly mm-hmm. all the time. Right. He did his album uh, right before he got signed to go. Oh, so, so. Dan, but Lance Quinn, I think he did. Yeah, it, right? so he's so we're sharing the studio with Bon, bon Jovi, yeah. and uh, Nils is making his record here. And I had met Nils uh, at uh, Stars, I guess, one night. I'd interviewed him, yeah. and he called me uh, out of the blue and said, "I'm going to be in Philly for six weeks, and I got to make this record, and I need you to be with." Blah, blah, blah. So I, I, I was with. I moved into his apartment, and every day I do my morning show, and then uh, come home, and then go to the studio with him. And he gets a call halfway through the making of his album from Bruce to join the band. Wow. And um, he panics. And I don't think he he would mind if I say this. He's like, I don't know if I could keep the song straight, like racing in the street Uh and like. (laughs) He wouldn't, what, take it out a little bit? Driving all night. Like, he didn't know. He's like, you have to help me. Uh He's like. You got to teach me the difference between prove it all night oh. and driving <laughs> oh, all night. Oh, okay, I get it. Because, you know, yeah. they, I don't, so, yeah. so in a pouring rainstorm, yeah. I get this, I drive all the way up to where he's staying and we go into the hotel lobby where there's a piano and I'm teaching him the difference between yeah. the oh, songs. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. He, but I love Nils. Nils. They were um, buddies too. And when you yes. read Bruce's book, yeah. you know how early on in their careers, they would just talk about... You know, help one and all. There are a lot alike. There are a lot alike as men. There are a lot alike as men, and and yeah, Nils is just he's yeah. I love Nils. I have nothing but good things. Music to say. fan too, because so, he's yeah. another guy that yeah. the Hooters. He, I met him at American University in D.C. He was hanging out. He came to the show. Oh, he is. is cool. There is when you talk about having no heirs or, yeah. or whatever, Nils. Uh, he couldn't afford a band, so he would do a one man. He didn't care. He'd do a yeah. one man show. He'd busk. He didn't care. Yeah. So he'd be on stage. And he didn't even want to take a break. So he had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I love that story. So he would still strum yeah. his guitar. He'd walk off stage onto the side and he would pee in a trash can. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I got to meet this yeah. guy. He's like a Kuzma. <laughs> got to meet this guy. He's so yeah. hardcore. Yeah. But none of the guys, there was no pushback from anybody you named in the book? Anybody No, I haven't about- seen anybody since, but. No, no, I I mm. uh, I've been in the same room with Daryl a couple times, yeah. and you know, a little way. Daryl Hall, Daryl Hall. Yeah. Oh, I did see Bob Weir. Um, it's got to be now ten, mm. at least ten years ago. But I ran into him backstage somewhere in L.A., and uh, I said, "Do you remember me?" And he said, "Of course." And I said, "You don't have to pretend. If you right. don't, it's fine." No, and he acted offended that I didn't remember him, and he introduced me yeah. to his wife. And you know, even after I stopped seeing him. 
uh, one day I interviewed him at MMR, and I used to live right across the square, and uh, he wanted to watch a 49ers game. So, you know, he and his girlfriend came to my apartment, you know, and we all watched the game together, and then she and I walked him out to the cab to the airport, you know, and we each kissed him goodbye. And he yeah. like, you know? But I love it. Bobby is like... He was like one of those guys that you couldn't believe he was really in that band because he's he was so quote unquote normal yeah, right. compared to the rest Jerry of them. Garcia. Oh my God, Jerry Garcia! Yeah. I mean, can you imagine I'm standing next to him in the elevator mm. and I think that the hair mm. that is. I think it's on me, yeah. so I try to pull it off me, but it's attached to his beard. <laughs> and I pull it, and he looks wait, wait, around. Wait, 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 what are you doing? Yes, so, and, and, and he was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm sorry, I thought it was. <laughs> and then, okay, so one morning, I'm, like, I'm in bed. Bob, I, I was watching, I couldn't believe how long it was taking Bob to blow dry his hair. <laughs> and I'm watching this, and Garcia just walks into the hotel room, and I pull the covers up. He never even looked in my direction. <laughs> I don't think he story. ever knew I was there. And the two of them just start this. About an album cover. Yeah, about an album <laughs> Ty- song. That a song. was a typo right. that I had, you know, urged him, you know, because if you hear about this five times, yeah. no matter who you are, you say to this guy, you got to speak up in this yeah. band. And of course, right. it was the worst thing I could have told did. him. You did. That's a good story where your tour manager ripped into Rock you. Rock Scully. Did you ever meet yeah. him? No, I never have. But the, your story. Oh, but my I've, God. That, but, but I've lived that moment when somebody that's out of the well you know you didn't know because you were bob's girl you know and you open your mouth about the uh something about but bob wasn't like right. but you were speaking right. for him and right. then you get your ass chewed out are which was an amazing story yeah right in you front know? of everybody that are you was, in this band yeah so that's when i was going through yeah that. <laughs> i said i got yeah this is not cool because it, yeah. it really was a big freak show I wow mean. Yeah, yeah imagine but what a life you lived man yeah. it's, i mean it's really amazing it should be a movie we well, can't, we can't run out of time. We can't run out. We're running out of time, but we can't go without asking at least one question about Ask Anita on YSP. Because okay. that's where you so, went from this yes. popular DJ to this huge right. DJ. I, so, I love that show. I listen to that. Whenever. I don't know why I went to YSP. I mean, I guess I, I you know, they wooed me and everything. But, uh, you know, Charlie Kendall had sort of left MMR and, and, and when he you know, that that was really the reason I was there. God and, bless that guy. Oh, my God. He helped the Hooters. We used to play Grendel's Lair on I Mondays. I love him so he much. He helped us. He so was great. much. When I called him, after I meet Bob Dylan, and Bob Dylan tells me whatever, and I call. Yeah. So I called Charlie, and, and of course, Bobby had called him first and said I was going to call. Yeah. But when I called him, he, he said, you come back and you can have any shift yeah. you want. Now, Earl Bailey Pearl Earl. ended up not liking that because uh, Earl, Earl lost his shift. Earl lost his shift because right. he played Goddamn the Pusher Man in the middle Earl, of the afternoon. In the middle yeah. of the afternoon, and uh, I got uh, yeah, I got the, I got his gig. But but I MMR just wasn't. It's hard to believe, but MMR just was really on the down hard to side, yeah. and YSP seemed to be gaining momentum. And at that time, um, they wooed me to come over there and offered me all this money and I'd never been a money, you know, doing it for the money girl, but I desperately wanted to make that kind of money that the men made. So I took the job and we decided that we had to go opposite of what we did at MMR, which was workforce blocks. When I finally did get them to put me on middays, we did a workforce block at noon. So we said, 
uh, something different. So Mike Picozzi, he was the PD. He would be in the studio with me because I refused to uh, see anybody after my show. I, I was out that door. I would, <laughs> whoever followed me on the air had to be in that studio because if you weren't in that studio, wow. I left anyway. <laughs> While the song was, was there was ever playing. dead air? Yeah, Joe Bonadonna would go, why do you leave? And I'd be like, why do you take so long? All right, but yeah, I mean, I, so yeah. they would get really mad at me for leaving. Somebody else would have to run in and, and, and put a record on. But uh, I was not going to go to any other meeting. I get up 4.30 in the morning. That's it. So so I begged them. I said, I'll come work for you, but I'm never going to do mornings. Put it in the contract. Okay. So I'm on doing middays. Still won't go to a meeting. Pacozzi's in the studio with me. And he's like, so what are you going to do? And I'm like, hang on. I want to get the phones here. Because in those days, we answered our own phones. So I pick up the phone. And uh, I knew Pacozzi was waiting to talk to me. So I figured, okay, let me just clear these lines. First call was like, when are Bruce Springsteen tickets going to go on sale? And I'd be like, uh, Thursday, but don't tell anybody I told you. Hang up. <laughs> Next call, um, you know, is it true that so-and-so died last night? No, I don't know where you heard that. Uh, you know, don't believe everything you hear. Next call. <laughs> and it just and Pacozzi's standing there, and he's like, you know what? I'm like, what? And he's like, this should be the show. You should do this. You should answer. He was entertained. Yeah. yeah. He's like, the way you just off the cuff, yeah. you know, did it. I'm like, did what? <laughs> and he's like, the way you answered all those calls. And I was like, well, I was rushing through them so we could have our discussion. He's like, no, let's just do this. I'm like, whatever. Yeah. So he cut that ridiculous opening. Time now for Ask Anita. <laughs> and the rules were... To keep me interested, <laughs> I didn't want to know who was on the line. All right. So I had somebody screen it, Yeah. but they weren't allowed to tell me what it was about. Okay. And the guy would just take a number. He would have one, two, three, and he'd put number one in the window, right. and I'd hit that line, and Boom. whatever it was, I'd right. just handle it. It's like your interviews with the artists. You yes, know? Same deal. I was able to you do it. You like that spontaneity yes. that was like, I don't really want to know. Just right. give me a little right. bit of a clue, but boom, man. Right, right. You Stuck know? in an elevator right. moments. Yeah. You know, where you just- you With just... Nick, Nick Mason, you didn't know who he was. I think I that's no, a cool that one. That was the- Well, Charlie Kendall was so funny. He always prided himself on knowing- what people's strengths were. That's what made him such a good program director. Yeah. And he would notice that a couple of times he would oversleep and he wasn't able to get to the studio to greet whoever I had to interview. So they would walk in the studio and announce and be like, what the fuck? And <laughs> Who are you? Be, yeah. And then if I didn't recognize Herb Gordon or yeah. somebody to put it together, mm. sometimes I didn't know who these people were. I'll never forget Steve Perry came in. I thought it was Joe. I was Joe I Perry. Thought Joe Perry. I thought it was, oh, well, shit. first I thought he was the R&W delivery guy. Yeah. Okay. But then I realized, oh no. So I came so close. I had the Joe Perry project album cued. Up. Oh shit! And, and Steve Perry walks in from Journey. Well, I thought that was it, and then the the promo, the the, the guy, the label guy walked in and said, "No, oh, it's not that guy." But <laughs> so he saved me because I think Perry went out to the bathroom or yeah. something. So now nobody's there. <laughs> guy walks in, English guy sits down, and I said, "Hey," he goes, "Hey." So I'm thinking, "Who is this?" Well, Charlie will be in any minute, or there'll be a promo guy in here that'll tell me who it is. I, nobody's coming. Nobody's coming. So I just continue to make small talk with this guy. He's obviously somebody. Finally, he gets it and he leans in when the record's on and he says, um, you, don't you have no idea who I am. <laughs> and I said, no. And he said, I'm Nick Mason. And I said, I need more. Oh, and shit. he said, I'm the drummer for Pink Floyd. I said, now we can do oh, the interview. Oh, my God. 
Oh, God. Well, yeah. you were lucky it wasn't Roger. <laughs> well, you would have known Roger, Roger Waters. I, yeah. I, I, I wasn't into Pink Floyd oh, yeah. in those days. Yeah. I used to go to their concerts and hold my ears and my eyes and go, because well, I, I, I was into music you could dance mm, to, you know. Right. So I had, to, I had to grow to learn them. But yeah, um, so they, they woo me over there. We start doing that. And it's a good thing, too, because all the creativity was then gone mm. because... Program directors were tired of getting fired every six months, so they hired uh, music people that you know consultants right? that would yeah. come in and buy them an extra six months. So mm. if you know the format wasn't doing well, they'd fire the music consultant, and then they'd go look for another job. But yeah, so we were told we were given the clock yeah. A B C D E. Wow. All the records were put in categories: one from column A, one from column B, and there was no creativity anymore. Miss- so. You know, I miss them too. But Escanita was amazing the way yeah. it. Uh, right, and then yeah. that went on for a couple of years until they decided to syndicate Stern in Philly. Yeah, and, and, and that, that was, and that was a they well, and it was terrible because uh, Michael Pacozzi didn't know that uh, Mel Carmazan had already made a deal with Howard Stern. Yeah. And brutal business. Brutal. So they talked me into doing mornings again, and now you know Warren's in my life. So. Now it's like I'm trying to, you know, work five Jesus days a week, Christ. and then on Friday I get wow. on a plane and I go fly and be with him for the weekend, yeah. and then I fly back. So I'm trying to do all that and hold down the morning show. And uh, it, it, thank God, they let me have six weeks off so I could go on a European tour with Warren. And touring in those days, I mean, that was the thing with Warren and I. We could spend limitless. I mean, it. I mean. Yeah. I can't tell you. We spent three weeks at the Sunset Marquee. I don't think we ever left the room, and we never had an argument, and we never got bored. We just used to have fun. And when you would go on the road in those days on a tour bus or whatever, you were unplugged. Nobody Mm -hmm. knew where to find you. No cell phones, no computers. It was insane. I got that for a little while, too. You know, But I was amazed. That's a great part of the book, too, because I had no idea that you had that experience. Because I tell people, like, you know, going on the road. Oh, my God. You got to be, you either, and I'm really, look. You, that's amazing that you you and you kind it of embra- you embraced it. Well, embraced well, it. You, you know it's so funny because I remember uh, Jackson Brown had had a had a girl that he met when he was on the road doing Running on Empty, and she was uh, from like the uh, what do they call the the bush in uh, in Australia? You know, yeah, so it's right. like a very like the beautiful blonde. You're talking yes, about, yes. Right? Uh, so um, she was literally shoeless. She had no shoes. Oh wow! Uh, when he met her, and uh, the two of them were just like so organic, and it was all the. In six months, she turned into Britt Eckler, you know? <laughs> and I saw the same thing happening to me. Oh shit! Because I would, I was yeah. walking away on a Friday from yeah. being in command of this big job with my own fans and I'd be going to a show with Warren where I would be following him in backstage. <laughs> Somebody would stop me, open up a folding chair and go, sit here, honey. We'll yeah. come back and get you after uh, the show. Uh, and I was like, who are you calling honey? Yeah. You know? And yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And then, of course, you just start mm. being the bimbo they think you are. So when Warren, like, I know that um, I get this from my wife. When I come off the road, she goes, don't come home with that rock star shit here. <laughs> now, 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 Jeff, our friend Jeff Simon, stays in a hotel before he goes home. Because his wife Carol says, "Don't come home," because <laughs> he's got a defrag. Right, you know what right, I mean. So you right. experience that because somehow I don't care who you are, man. When somebody's making you did like catering, hey, this, you know, all yeah. that's everybody's catering to every little whim you have. Well, and, we both know. kind of became that person. Yeah, it's like, you know, we may just be staying in yeah. holiday, but Inns. you, you know, you, you like I don't even. I guess you were 
so huge here in Philadelphia. <laughs> I mean, it was like, you know, we'd go on, she'd introduce the band, and we'd go on. It was almost anticlimactic, you know? <laughs> yeah. like, I have a videotape of me in- yeah. introducing you oh. that I'll show you. It's on my oh, tablet uh, that they did, you know, they did a profile piece yeah. on me. Yeah. Uh, it was like I died. I got yeah. 18 minutes. It's like, you don't get 18 minutes unless you've died. You it know? was so <laughs> funny because you, when you talked about, you, you, they had to push you on the stage to make the introduction, and then they had to pull yes. you out. And you wouldn't want to leave. Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was the kind of Oh, man, you know. But yeah, so I really thought that this uh, whole story, not just my story, but the whole story surrounding it, uh, would make a really good bingeable yeah. series. Well, definitely, we, we only got, to, I mean, we got to a lot of the book, but there's a lot more, so Great you definitely book. have to check Please it out. Look, look it. it up on Amazon. You yeah. turn me on, I'm a radio, My Wild Rock and Roll Life by Anita Gevinson. And I would love to talk more. I know Dave would love to yeah. talk more. But unfortunately, we're all already over our Oh, uh, our sorry time. about no, that, no, no, guys. No, man, it no, was you're, awesome. We went, unlike uh, unlike the old days when you left right the minute your shift was up, here you're going to talk all day, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, but it was good stuff. Uh, so. It was great stuff. Thank you so much to Anita Gevinson for being here. Uh, another great week on In the Pocket. Uh, uh, Dave, you want to say something? Dallas Eagles this week. Uh, uh, Dallas Eagles. Huge, yeah. <laughs> huge game. That's right. Let's huge go Sixers. Week. Let's go yeah, Sixers they, also. Yeah. yeah, they look kind of uh, last night. No, no, no. Don't worry. Don't worry. I won't. They got to get another shooter. They got to get a. We'll shooter. get another shooter, and that was yeah. Toronto. Don't yeah, worry about exactly. it. Exactly. So. I, I, I like the optimism. I have faith. Yeah. Just anyway, and uh, once again, we'll remind people that you can catch in the pocket on December twenty eighth at the Keswick Theater. Yeah. Huge, huge show for for all the guys yeah. in the pocket. So Absolutely. thanks again to Wildfire Radio and to Philly Rock Radio. Thanks again to our guest Anita Gevinson. Thanks please, for please me. get her book, and yeah. we'll see you next week on In the Pocket.